Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Ron Jor, we are back at it again this week, and I'm really excited for today's episode. We have a very special guest joining the conversation on pastoring a church in decline. To help us with this discussion is the legend, the myth, the bearded man himself, Dr. Matt Hensley. Matt Hensley serves as the associational mission strategist for the Collin Baptist Association in Fairview, Texas. He also serves as assistant preaching pastor at First Baptist Church in Farmersville. Matt has the heart of a pastor, and he also has a heart for pastors, previously serving as president of the SBC Pastors Conference in Anaheim, California. Matt, Thank you, brother, for joining today's discussion. Was any part of you wanting to jump in on that? I know that you are no stranger to podcast yourself. A little bit. I was also thinking, like, can can you come on our show <laughs> and introduce me? Because Kyle and I are so mean to one another. It, it's nice to actually have something, somebody saying something nice. I did want to jump in because immediately when you said the assistant preaching pastor, we have that kind of inside joke at our church that I'm the assistant to the preaching pastor oh, man. as the whole, like kind of, kind of the office motif. That's right. And uh, he likes to mess with that a little bit. Don't but, you even have some cards that say we that? We appreciate you guys. Don't you even have some cards that say the years? I do. <laughs> and yes, I, I downloaded like the picture of Dwight Schrute's uh, business card and painstakingly created that in Canva. I'm a Canva nerd. Yeah, man. And uh, complete with like whiteout and everything over the 2V and everything. And so, so yeah, we, I actually give those out occasionally. So <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, so brother, thank you again for joining the conversation today. We're talking about pastoring churches in decline, something you know a little bit about. You've written on topics like this in the past. You've written books on the importance of evangelism and revitalization, on replanting rural churches, things like that. Even in your current role as an AMS, I'm sure you deal with this topic uh, on a regular basis. So let's let's talk first about some signs. Uh, you're walking into a church or have been pastoring a church that's in decline. What are some of those signs uh, that your church is in decline, and what metrics do you, the pastor, need to be looking at to make that judgment call? Yeah, there's fewer people there than there were. Uh, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a good a short, start. You know, that's the easy one. You know, we we see maybe in the sanctuary that perhaps it it seats 150, and you've got 15 or or 20 there. Uh, you know, maybe the Sunday school you got. You know, maybe. 50 in Sunday school and 55 in worship that, you know, you kind of notice that. Uh, I, I think also another metric uh, that, that you can generally look at is, and it's not everything. None of these are everything. They're just right. parts of a picture uh, where maybe baptisms and uh, where there hasn't been any, or, or maybe in a season before there were several or many baptisms. And now it's down to maybe one uh, or two, if, if any, uh, on a given year. And, uh, and so to, to answer this question, I kind of think back to, to my time in, in May Hill, where the church had been kind of plateaued at around 80 to 90 for years. Uh, and it was probably going to be 80 or 90 for, for years, unless, you know, people pass away or just the town in general change. And we'll, we'll talk about maybe reasons too, I believe. Uh, but with them, you know, they, they did have a very difficult season uh, where a pastor left, and, and they kind of declined even more rapidly. And uh, so they had gotten to a season where there was no really evangelism uh, initiative uh, on the part of any members or pastors. There was no really disciple-making emphasis in the church. And they had just kind of gotten into preservation mode. And so the signs there that it was in decline is it was just all, let's just make sure we can do our Sunday school, we can just make sure we do our church, and we'll just hope for the best. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of the season they were in as we entered. And so because of that, for years, they didn't really have baptism. Maybe one, usually of a, you know, a relative member, you know, maybe a member's kid or something like that. 
uh, no outreach, none of that sort of thing. And so the numbers had kind of gone down from 90, 80, 70, down to about 30 or so when I got there. And uh, baptisms where we had gone from about eight or 10 on a good year down to maybe five, three, two, one, zero, zero, zero. And, and so you kind of just look at them, all of the different numbers, Sunday school, worship attendance, uh, you know, mission involvement, baptisms, all of those things, and just see them maybe trending down in that direction to lower. And, uh, and so that would be some of the ones that I would look at in terms of worship attendance, Sunday school engagement, uh, baptism. Again, these are parts of the picture. Right. And as you get on the field, you determine maybe what those issues are that maybe led to those things. Right. So what are the reasons a church might experience decline? I know you can't really put a one size fits all you know, answer to that, but what are some of the reasons that churches might have that decline? You know, one of the things I've shared, and, and I'll, I'll say this just because it was a recent church revitalization uh, consult that I had, is the uh, uh, one of the pastors said, I just didn't realize the community was going to change. And uh, the, the community, the demographics, whatever it was, changes so much. And, and that might not be in terms of ethnicity. That might be in terms of just uh, the roads. Uh, you know, around you, maybe traffic mm-hmm. bypassing where the church is, and it's no longer maybe on a main road, and, and there's different ways to get around it. So there's a lot of different outward things that can happen, the the town changes or whatever. And I like to to tell folks that you might have been surprised, but God wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's something we still need to remember is God still has a plan for this church. Maybe we need to adapt and change to to you know, reach maybe the changing demographics or the changing geography around the church. Uh, other things could be where you move into a more uh, kind of inward focus uh, where, and I touched on this a moment ago, where, where you're kind of keeping the status quo and, you know, maybe you get to a point where you, you kind of reach maybe a milestone of, you know, most of our churches are, uh, you know, smaller, you know, Mark Clifton would say normative. Uh, when they are 50 to 100 or so. And so maybe you finally reach that 100 and and you start instead of continuing to do what got you to that point, you're like, okay, we've kind of have to stabilize and, and you know, you know, maybe we reemphasize just discipleship and, and teaching and all of that kind of stuff and, and stop some of those outward things that we do. Uh, and so I think those are a few of just losing sight of uh, a, a key reminder for all of us is that Eternity is a long time. Mm-hmm. And if if we weren't called to make disciples and to evangelize and all of that kind of stuff, the moment we were saved, we'd just be raptured right up to Jesus. You know, but we're left here to be right. ambassadors, churches that are reaching them and, and reaching out and, and making disciples uh, are going to be thriving churches. And uh, and so I think some of those reasons could be uh, I ramble a lot. I'm sorry. But <laughs> some of those reasons will be demographics change or geography changes or maybe just your focus in your heart as a church changes instead of going outward and going out to to reach people and to meet needs and so forth, to just meet meeting the felt needs of the congregation and going inward focused. Yeah, you, you know, it's 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 very interesting when you see um, churches, you know, as they go through uh, cycles, you know, uh, you, you almost can you almost can kind of see it, you know, coming where you have these churches that. Uh, you know, they they started off really on fire. They started off, you know, with with uh, with with people that were very energetic. I mean, you think, you know, most church plants, uh, you, you don't start with folks in their 60s. Uh, you know, most church plants, it's the young and and energetic, you know, folks. And they they're they're going, you know, they maybe have some young kids, you know, their young families and so on. And then after a, a several years you know, where they be, you know, their kids are now the adults in the room or maybe even, you know, the 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 parents, you know, at the beginning are now grandparents, you know, and, and it goes from being a, uh, a, a a vibrant, energetic, let's go, let's reach, let's let's do everything we can to more. Yeah, I'm the older one. Let's settle. <laughs> let's let's chill, you know, and and let's let's just kind of, you know, ride off into the into the sunset. Um, it's really difficult uh, not just to start a mission, 
but it's very difficult to maintain a mission and to and to continue to stay on mission for years and and decades uh, to come. And and I think that what you're saying is absolutely right. I think also along with that, you have churches where there was an end, say that mission. You know, we want to reach this community for Jesus. We want to, uh, you know, we want to uh, to be a healthy uh, gospel uh, spreading church in this community, things like that. And then you start thinking of some means, you know, how are we going to do that? And as time goes by, especially if those means programs, uh, uh, you know, uh, outreach efforts, you know, discipleship efforts, things like that especially as they get successful, you know, people are coming and, and you know, we're seeing the Lord add to our number and, and so on. The means becomes the end itself. Yeah. So, so we, you know, we have this program, let's say for kids, we have Awana, you know, or something like that. And instead of Awana being the means to the end of reaching out and getting more folks and, and getting the gospel out and making disciples and so on, it kind of turns inward and it becomes an end in itself. So we're not doing Awana for the sake of reaching more people. We're doing Awana for its own sake. We do it because we do it. We do it because it's what we always do and, and so on. And what happens is when people are connected to a mission, that you know, we we go <laughs> and we keep going and we, we keep doing and we keep serving and we keep loving and we keep reaching and so on. When it turns inward and it's about the program, right? Well, you know, whether you love either you love it or you don't, and and what happens is there are a lot of people that are like, well, why are we doing this? This is old and this is tired and this is busted, and 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 then you have people starting to back out, and you know, we want to go where it's nice and vibrant and you know, and new and fresh and all of this again. So when the means becomes an end in itself, uh, instead of being tied to and connected to the mission of making disciples, uh, that's, for me, a, a surefire sign that this thing's about to go down. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that, too, and, and perhaps the the elephant in the room is as well, you know, we were just kind of chatting before we came on here, is how, you know, we, we can't forget the kind of the average tenure of pastors right. uh, that, yeah. that come into a church for a year or two, and then they go on to the next big thing, mm-hmm. and and then the mm-hmm. next guy comes there for a year or two. And and there are some churches that have just embraced that yeah. we we are here to kind of be a training ground for for pastors. We're going to love on them and and help them, you know, do their seminary and all of that kind of stuff. And and kind of know that they're going to have them for two or three years and and send them on. And and they've just they've kind of accepted that and and know that they're going to go up down a little bit. But that that's just who they are. But a lot of times we have to remember that. You know, when pastors are coming into a church that's in decline, I also maybe look back and, you know, two-year uh, cycles of pastors coming in and out. That's two years of, you know, the big new vision and, and all of these kinds of things. They get on board, they get off. And then right. they get on board, they get off. And that and church conflict, there's there's a lot of different things that can happen yeah. mm-hmm. uh, between splits and, and personality clashes, whatever uh, that, uh, that, that are other reasons too for, for decline. Yeah. I was about to say that. I mean, that causes fatigue mm-hmm. with the church yeah. members to constantly mm-hmm. have a new vision, a new pastor, new, new, all of these things. And it, but it's also amazing how quickly a church runs or kind of what you were saying can go into complacency mode. Yeah. Uh, the, the previous church we were at kind of the history there was, that was what happened. They fell into complacency mode. And what happened was the community around them had changed drastically mm-hmm. and to a point where now they they had no clue. You know, there wasn't any engagement with the community and, and they were wondering, why are we not growing as a church? And I mean, the answer was obvious. It's because you're not, you're not engaging the community around you. You've become, an, you've become too complacent with the ministries that you've spent so many years doing. Yeah, and 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 maybe that that adds another layer, is that you have a church that that just simply hadn't figured out how to adapt, you know. So the yeah. mission is is the same, uh, but the accomplishing of the mission. Well, you know, we're doing this in in real space, real time. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's you know, it, it's not going to look exactly like it did on paper, uh, and so we've we've got to have the the ability to adapt and say, okay, 
We thought that the situation was going to be this. It wasn't this. Do we just pack up our bags and go? You know, uh, as as do some churches, you know, that say, well, we're just going to leave the community. Community changed that there's nothing we can do and we just roll out. Or there are others that just say, well, we're just going to be, you know, I'm, we're going to be about us. And, uh, and, and, you know, when the Lord shuts our doors, he shuts our doors. Or you could say, hey, here's an opportunity that we just didn't see coming. Obviously, the Lord put us here. Obviously, the Lord is in control of people coming and going. Uh, so what if the Lord wants us to be, you know, the ones, the catalyst for making disciples for the people who are actually here? Uh, and that takes a little bit more planning. That takes a little more learning and, and listening and, and building relationships and uh, coming outside of your box, you know, and, and, and so on. But those are the things that will that will keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the things that will that will keep you obedient in uh, the task of the Great Commission and making disciples. So, yeah, yeah, adaptability is a very, very important uh, important uh, skill to develop, uh, especially yeah. when we're talking about decline. Um, so, we've, we're, we're talking about decline like it's a like it's a bad thing. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we're we're going. Oh my goodness! You know what happened? Uh, you know, is your church okay? You know, are you are you going to be all right? You know, like it's a bad thing. Could it be a good thing? Could you know? Are there some situations where decline is not bad, um, and where it's actually good uh, for the for the church, or or at least where it's it should be expected uh, for the church? Yeah. Uh, I want to be careful because, again, you know, we're there's so many different facets that can go to decline and so forth. And and I think, you know, like the churches that would be in college towns where, mm-hmm. you know, when when summer break hits, they decline. You know, Absolutely. so there's certain things that are going to be outward. Uh, and so there's a few few things that I want want to say with this this question as I answer is sometimes or, you know, every pastor kind of knows this. And and I think if we're not going to say it out loud, we'll at least think it, that there are times that there's some blessed subtraction. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe there there are some, some folks that are just unwilling to get on mission and, you know, refuse to, to be outward or, or whatever it might be, constantly criticizing, whatever it might be that right. Maybe they get out of the way and and you decline a little bit. Maybe you lose some of their friends and so forth. And you're like, oh, no, what's going to happen now? And I've I've experienced that. I know pastors that have experienced that. And and one of the things that I can't speak across the board for everybody, but when when that has happened with me and we have that kind of dip for a while and and decline for a little bit because of that, uh, giving stayed strong, if not improved. Mm -hmm. We got leaner. And, and we're able to kind of pivot and accomplish more because some of that got kind of off off board. And so I'm not running yeah. people off. I'm not looking for people to get off the train, if you will. But at the same time, there's been times that I've seen where it's kind of that blessed subtraction. I didn't celebrate it. It's not like, oh, thank goodness, you know, Brandon's gone. He's just been <laughs> dropping me crazy. Like, that's not something I think it was always a a mournful thing that we weren't able to do this because we are a family. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I'm not celebrating this, but I've seen that as a bit of a blessed subtraction where yeah. it was kind of pruning uh, that allowed us to accomplish more. Yeah. Even the with COVID be, specifically, like, cause yeah, I mean, I've heard absolutely. a lot, even with our church, I mean, there was a certain amount of people that left, but like you said, the amazing thing was that our giving was actually not only strong, but it was above where it normally is. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that from a lot of pastors too. So that's yeah. a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The the other could be, and and I touched on this with the whole demographics changing and so forth. Where uh, I know a church that that was working with, and they're down to a handful, and by a handful, you know, less than ten, and they can do less than ten almost in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, you know, they don't have you know, bills, a whole lot other than electricity, you know, pastors free, that kind of deal. So they can do that for a while. But the area around them is universally either Hispanic, some form of an Asian demographic or Indian. Mm-hmm. It's completely changed. And looking at the demographics, I think down to less than 1% Anglo in, in their neighborhood. And uh, in order to find kind of even a pocket of, of people like them, if you will, uh, you're looking at over five miles 
And so the demographics have completely changed Mm -hmm. and they're all senior adults and they are kind of pivoting. It's taking a while, but they're pivoting to the point of where they see themselves as a launching pad and are beginning to see themselves that could be a launching pad for some ethnic congregations that can reach the Hispanic neighborhood up the road, can Mm -hmm. reach the Indian Mm -hmm. uh, population right across the street and, and so forth. And so at times, uh, and, and not out of, you know, spider, you know, we're not going to reach them, but realize that we don't speak their language, um, you know, and, and so forth that a decline there in such a pivotal place when, in you know, where we live, where, you know, land prices and rental prices and so forth are through the roof that a brand new church really struggles or they can have even a free or a cheap place to begin their, their ministry. And, and I'm just picturing just church after church churning out of this declining and dying church, but probably never more alive mm-hmm. than being, you know, six, seven or eight people that are faithfully just supporting and loving on and, and preparing the way for these churches to, mm-hmm. to, to begin, thrive and launch them out. And uh, so I think sometimes in a, if something has changed so drastically, not just people we don't want to reach, maybe not really like us or, or maybe lower income than us or something like that. But if it's changed to the point where in all practical purposes, you cannot reach them because of language barriers or whatever it might be, uh, that, that in that moment where a church can pivot to be a launching pad would be the greatest thing perhaps that church had ever done. Mm. So let's say we have a pastor listening right now who's who's shepherding a declining church. What are some things, some good tangible things he can do to just help contribute to turning that back around? I I always come back to, because it is easy to remember, it's easy to say, um, but the preach, pray, love, and stay. Uh, we we kind of built our book on it. We alliterated it because we're good Southern Baptists <laughs> and kind of tweaked it a little bit. Um, and, but uh, preach faithfully, um, even if you've already graduated from, you know, master's, doctorate, whatever, continue to hone that craft, become a better communicator, all of those things. Uh, be faithful with the word. Uh, don't don't let it take a backseat. You know, we talk a lot on our podcast about times that, you know, crises are going to happen, especially if you're the only pastor and you kind of have to wear all the different hats. But, you know, start the week in the word, spend time in the word, be faithful with the word and uh, and just emphasize your your preaching and, and teaching ministry, uh, do that really well. Uh, pray when, when I hear pray, you know, we, we all think of our prayer meetings that are kind of, I think Mark Clifton calls them organ recitals and, uh, (laughs) where it's just all the different organs that people are, you know, having surgery for whatever it might be. Uh, you know, the prayer meetings that are filled with three or four people and you run about 80 or 90 on a Sunday, you know, those kind of things that are discouraging. Uh, when, when I think of, of prayer, also think of attempting things and in, in trying to do something that I can look back and say that could only have been done mm. by God's gracious hand. You know, I don't, I don't want to make plans and, and accomplish things that just in my creative ability or whatever it might be that we can make it happen. I want to, I want to push and and strive for something that I can look back and say that's something that God did. And so, a, a devotion to prayer mm-hmm. uh, is is important. Loving your people. Um, you know, the, the old saying, you know, they don't know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It matters. Uh, you could preach the greatest sermons on, on the planet. And, and that's not me. So it's, it's <laughs> never been me. Uh, but if you could preach the greatest sermon on the planet, uh, you might can draw a, a crowd and, and so forth. But man, to truly love your people, love your community um, and, and just truly be their shepherd and their pastor. You know, I see those things, you know, the, we probably err on one side of those. We're, we're either a great preacher, maybe less of a pastor, a great pastor, maybe less of a, a preacher that, you know, we're, we're going to have strengths maybe on either side of that. Uh, but, but man, you've got to love your people. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some simple ways to do that going through the member role, calling them regularly, messaging them regularly on uh, anniversaries or birthdays, sending the cards or simple things that 
it's not rocket science to show that you care visiting them you know when they're in the hospital or or whatever visiting them making sure that they hear from you uh and then finally i touched on this earlier stay uh you know there's <laughs> you've got several years before you're truly their pastor and uh you know that year one or two you you have the title of the pastor but they're still somebody right. in that church that's really their pastor. Right. It's that person that kind of kept them together when you weren't there and they were through the interim or whatever it might be. But, but it's going to take a, a while for you to truly be their pastor. And there's going to be a lot of ups and downs leading to that point. And, uh, and so it's important uh, to, to really play that long game with this church and say, look, I'm, you know, you're not telling them this, but, but mentally and, and maybe even literally deleting that resume off your website or off of your a computer, just mm-hmm. delete it mm-hmm. and say, this is where I'm at mm-hmm. until God plucks me out of here. This is where I'm going to be. And, uh, and to say, I'm going to be here as long as they'll have me, as long as God is going to have me here and stay. And, uh, and so I think there's, those are the four real simple ways that, that I talk about often to preach, pray, love and stay is going to go a long way to reversing that trend. And I think there's some other things of, you know, looking at the demographics that are around you, uh, what are the uh, kind of the socioeconomic things that are going on? What's kind of the religious kind of themes that are out there? And, and we, we know in the community to reach some of those being out in the community, doing the football games, all of that. There's all these simple things uh, that, that can really lay down your roots there. And for a lot of the guys that are listening to this, that are going to a declining church in rural middle of nowhere, which is all I've really ever known. Uh, I, I think one of the greatest things you can do is is to let your kind of schedule be somewhat open and say, you know, I'm going to get my sermon prep done maybe in the morning, but the afternoon I'm going to be available. I'm going to go see who I can visit. I'm going to go to the area, you know, whatever the closest coffee shop. I'm going to be in the school. I'm going to be out and about as much as I can because it does get lonely. And the more you can be out with people, it helps you. Go find some other pastors and so forth, too, that you can plug into. Those are a few things. Just preach, pray, love, and stay. Do the simple things of engaging with your people, engaging with the community. And uh, and I think that's going to go a long way to reviving a church. It's a good word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd add a couple of things. Um, one that, you know, that I said before in terms of the mission, um, yeah. you know, why is the church here? Uh, yeah. and, and learn that, if, especially if you're coming into a declining uh, church, uh, you know, do your homework. Okay, what? Yeah. Why has the church been here? Um, I remember one church where uh, I was a part of, and they were they were declining. It was it was a pretty steady decline. Um, they, if I remember right, it was about a fifty year time span, about fifty years, where they had declined ninety percent in those fifty wow. years. Uh, so it was, and you could just look at the numbers. You could just look at the attendance and you could see they lost people, lost people. Lost. They never gained <laughs> and, uh, at all in, in the, uh, in those 50 years. And they got down to a point where they had lost 90% of the, of the, of the people. And, and so I, you know, was just talking to them and going, okay, well, where, where have you guys been? Uh, you know, where are, uh, you know, where are your, um, you know, your priorities, what have you been about? What have you been committed to? And, and so on. And, you know, they would talk about their fellowships together. They would talk about their, uh, their potlucks. They would talk about, you know, all of these different things that they did together. And you could just tell it was like, this was a, this was a club. <laughs> and it's, yeah. and it's not like, it's not like fellowship. Koinonia is not, is not an important thing. It's certainly a vital aspect of the local church. But, but when you could tell they, th- what mattered most to them was that they, you know, were, were a tight knit group. And so when this person died, this person died, a few other people, you know, this person, they, their job moved them out of the area and, and so on. They just, they, they, they were here for the people and now the people are leaving and there's nothing really more for them to do except to preserve the relationships that they've, that they've had. And there was nothing else. And so that was why they were there. And so you had to kind of drill down to see what was going on. 
in order to say, okay, this is good, but this is one part of the mission. This isn't the whole mission. Uh, there are other things that you have to be about. And and that's something that you'll see, especially with um, – uh, with with uh, for for pastors going into churches, uh, that's something that you're that you're typically going to see and decline uh, is that somewhere down the line there were a couple of people that cared really deeply about uh, about extending the gospel. They cared really deeply about cultivating that culture, and it really, in in many cases, was more of a cult of personality than it was a true actual culture. And you know that because when they leave, you know, when they are kind of uprooted from the church for whatever reason, the culture doesn't stay. <laughs> uh, so they were kind of, the, you know, the church was applauding them for doing the work of the ministry, but they weren't joining them in the work of the ministry. And and so, yeah, uh, you know, for, um, you, you've got to think in terms of wisdom uh, of how you can uh, work to cultivate a sense of of this gospel culture where everybody, or at least as many people possible, can get on board, you know, with this and help them to see how the gospel infiltrates all of their aspects um, uh, of their lives, all of the aspects of the church, and so on. Uh, it's not easy. Hmm. It is not easy. Uh, and just as you said, Matt, it takes much prayer because only the Spirit can get somebody. Uh, to take ownership of the, uh, not just of the gospel for themselves, but take ownership of gospel ministry where they see themselves as a part of what God is doing in spreading the gospel in their community and in their in their lives. Uh, that takes a lot of work and a lot of prayer. Um, but uh, that really is, in my opinion, the turning point uh, to yeah. getting, uh, 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 to, to uh, pulling out from decline. Mm. Well, one of the things I would I would add to that, that that immediately came to mind is when when I would first get there, my goal was always to see as many members as I possibly could, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, you know, because you're trying to one just introduce yourself. There's people that are on the rolls uh, that haven't been to church in a while, so you want to kind of you know just touch base with them and, and so forth. I would constantly ask uh, something to the effect of, uh, "Tell me about the last time." that you really felt God's hand was on this church? Like what, what was happening? And, and it might, and you usually get a good sense of maybe where they are spiritually by the things that they would share. You know, we were having, you know, these potlucks or these, you know, these, you know, monthly music times, or, you know, it'd be something like that, or, or these different clubs. And sometimes it would be, there's a time that I, I, there were several weeks that I don't re, I don't remember when we didn't have a baptism. There was just baptism mm. after baptism after baptism. And they start, it would be like a season like that, or maybe a time where there were kids running around the church. And, you know, a few of us, like this little old lady was like, a few of us didn't really like that. You know, you shouldn't be running in church. But, but we had kids finally in this church, and I was just so happy. And then my follow-up would always be, you know, at least on the ones that were more on the spiritual side or, or you know, baptisms or new life or, or kids and that kind of deal. What what decisions were made leading up to that? Like what, can can you pinpoint anything y'all did to kind of see that happen? And, uh, and, and that usually was, well, what if then we try that again? What if we start a, you know, a homework club, I think was one of them that a season that they had a lot of kids at the churches. They started like a homework club to help kind of area kids with homework and so forth. And, and it kind of grew into the kids ministry of the church. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's little things like that that I was like, well, what if we try that again? Or we, we knocked on doors and, and a lot of people accepted Jesus. What if we try that again? You know, it's like, yeah. it was those kinds of things of looking back to the past, not to, to worship it and, and kind of look back at the good old days or, or whatever it might be, but look back to a time that God was really moving. And, and what were the, the kind of the steps of faithfulness uh, that, that maybe we can try to take again. And, uh, and so as you were sharing that, I was saying back to those, those mm-hmm. times of just getting with the people and find out what was a time mm-hmm. that God was moving here and in such a way that, that we could maybe replicate it, not trying to recreate the past or live in the past, but the steps that were being taken during that season, maybe do that again mm-hmm. and see what God does. And I love the solutions that both of y'all shared. So this is a safe space. I, I said that before we started recording. This is a safe space. But I feel like I can confess this. I'm absolutely not 
a handyman. I mean, I know I'm wearing the seminary plaid right now, oh, yeah. uh, but I'm not the Mr. Brawny guy, paper towel guy. You can ask my wife. There are many things that I can try to fix, and I just make it worse. So we've talked about some solutions here. What are some bad solutions, things that you just shouldn't try when trying to turn a dying church around that just, it, it doesn't make it better, it's going to make it worse? What are some of those things? Um, so I can think of a lot of silly stuff, um, but I'm afraid some of the listeners <laughs> might be in the middle of doing that. I don't want to discourage them. So if you're doing something that's dumb, just don't do it. <laughs> I, I, Blanket I do statement. Want to, I do want to share... Um, kind of what became my dissertation in, uh, at, at seminary was how the first church that I went to as a pastor had declined to, to almost nothing. We grew to about 100, had the first baptisms that the church had had in a long time. And I left uh, after, after two years. This was a very difficult pastor. There's a bunch of different circumstances there, but I left. And within months, they were back down to 20 or 30. Hmm. And so going into uh, my, my church in May Hill, that weighed on me a lot because I kind of went into May Hill somewhat, I, I get, well, I'll say prideful, thinking, you know, we're, we're just going to do that again. Hmm. And then when I immediately, you know, start seeing the next, you know, maybe videos or whatever of the next service there at the church and I see just nobody there. Another week, just nobody there. I'm like, man. And I, you know, found out that they had kind of declined almost immediately uh, to just a few dozen people. And I started to think I didn't grow anything uh, or, or I did, but it, it was grown on me. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you will, for me and by me. And so I sought to do my, my dissertation almost as an, an, as an act of repentance and correction. Uh, in that process of not doing it all yourself, mm-hmm. not being, as, as uh, my brother said, uh, the cult of personality thing. You know, you can be super dynamic, super engaging, super outgoing, and, and you can build a church relatively quick. It's kind of built around that. Uh, but if it's not kind of laid on a deeper foundation, then you're gone, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, building it around all the creative events. It has to be another creative event, you know, just in, in a little more creative, a little mm-hmm. more, you know, yep. there's all those kinds of things. But really, when it gets down to, you know, preaching well, praying, you know, loving, staying, all of that, as you're making disciples, uh, that, you know, we, we try and reinvent the wheel with something super creative, uh, but, but God has commanded us to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so if we spend a whole lot of time loving our people well, preaching the gospel well, making disciples well, equipping the saints well, all of these things, that that's something that you can set them on a course that if you die, if you resign, if you go somewhere else, they know what they're doing. Mm, And and so I took an approach there with May Hill where, and I'm not saying it was perfect. It was just something I would encourage uh, that the bad, so the bad solution is doing it all yourself. Um, But if, if you could invest that ministry in the people uh, where, you know, my dissertation title was longer than a lot of old Puritan paperbacks. It was a pastor led (laughs) member fulfilled disciple making strategy for Mayhill Baptist church. Uh, And so leading them, guiding them, but investing that ministry in them and equipping them uh, that, that I think that's one of those things that long after you're gone, uh, is going to continue to pay dividends. Mayhill, uh, you know, dipped slightly upon my, my departure to come here to Texas. Uh, but they were continuing to do the cycle of some one-on-one disciple making and little by little, as their new pastor is arriving, they're back up to where we were. And now with him, they're thriving and, and inching even higher. And, and so, you know, it was it was a blessing to me to to kind of get out of the way and let God take it to the next step, and uh, and they're taking those. So bad solution beyond the sinful stuff, like you know, hey, if we double attendance next week, I'll get a nose ring or something. You know, I don't know, like silly stuff like that, or a tattoo on the stage, whatever it might be. Like, don't do sinful, silly stuff. Uh, take it seriously, but but 
you know, doing something that's just those quick wins or just built around your personality or your abilities, uh, it's not going to be lasting. Mm-hmm. And so you'll grow, you might get on the, you know, outreach top, whatever fastest growing. I mean, all those things could happen, but then if you go, is, is it going to last? It's mm. good. Yeah. I think about the proverbs that talk about, uh, being hasty to, yeah. to, to get rich, uh, hasty to acquire wealth, uh, things like that. And it, it says every single time in the proverbs, uh, yeah, it's going to blow up in your face. Uh, yeah. there's, there, it just doesn't last. It's, it's fleeting. It's, it's elusive. Uh, it, it, it's never going to satisfy. And every single time in the Proverbs, it says the better way is work hard. Yeah. You, it's diligence. It's, it's doing the right thing. There's no shortcut. Uh, you know, it's, it's just the constant, uh, steady, uh, perseverance, um, of doing good, honest, diligent work. And I think that there's wisdom there, not just in terms of acquiring wealth, but wisdom there for all work. Uh, and yeah. I think certainly in terms of gospel work, uh, whatever it is that you're trying to get, you know, whether it's wealth or, uh, you know, say in, in, in just, you know, your regular work or things like that, or say in the case of ministry, you know, we want people, we want, you know, we want, we want, uh, 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 you know, to increase our, our baptisms. We want to increase our giving. We want to increase our membership. We want to increase all these different things. Well, how are you going to do it? And just as you were saying, well, we can do the whole, you know, uh, kind of, you know, quick, quick scheme, you know, shortcut, you know, uh, corner cutting and all of that to get there. Um, and it's never going to last. It never does. Or if it does last, it lasts with one million more problems yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. that you yeah. have to deal with and you have to live with, you know, on a regular basis. Um, or you can just do the slow and steady, mm. you know, just yeah. continuing to do the right things, continuing to serve, continuing to love, continuing to hold up high the personal work of Christ. Um, and continuing to be on your face in prayer, it's not the easy road. Yeah, it isn't, but it's the only one. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, which not only benefits the church, but it benefits you as the pastor absolutely. and your own health. Which brings us to the next question: You know, mm-hmm. pastoring is hard. Pastoring a church in decline is even more draining. So, so Matt, how does a pastor stay encouraged and free from the grip of pastoral burnout when serving in a church that is facing a steady decline? Listen to Pastor Matters uh, podcast. <laughs> I like it. Seminary, uh, or not another. No. Uh, okay. So, uh, you know, I, I think so. So all of these, you know, we we tend to complicate a lot of stuff. And uh, we're really good at that. Uh, you know, growing a church, preach the gospel, reach the lost. Like, you know, we, we overcomplicate it with a number of things. And I think sometimes this is one of those two uh, with, with ministry is it's going to be tough. Right. Uh, so, so a few very simple things that I think anybody can do is you have got to get somebody uh, that that you can open up to mm-hmm. and with. Uh, you know, that's not going to generally be a church member. Uh, it needs to be maybe a fellow pastor, somebody that you trust that you can share. Uh, and and don't let it just be the Debbie Downer session. You know, there's going to be times where it's you know you're going to share those difficulties and so forth, by all means, get that off of your chest so you're not carrying it. But if if all you're going to that other pastor is just to dump on them each time, like, it's not right. going to be great for him. Right. And so y'all, y'all sharpen one another, but you need to find some people in the trenches uh, that are usually experiencing the same thing. And, uh, and so I, I encourage pastors to, to have a have a Paul for them and then also a, a Timothy for them, somebody that's kind of behind them in the ministry that they can pour into, but also somebody that's ahead of them that can pour into them. That's I think good. those are uh, some some helpful relationships that you need. So just a fellow pastor that y'all can share with, celebrate with, all of that. Um, I've, I've recently talked to, to a pastor buddy about having somebody that you can say, I hit a home run today, you know, on the sermon, you know, like we, we get on, you know, and it's by God's grace, you know, we were able to, you know, preach that, you know, like, yes, yes. But you also need to be able to say, Hey, you know, I've laid 20 eggs in a row, but somehow today, 
this was a home run. <laughs> right. And where you and that pastor can say, okay, well, what, what was different? You know, was it more time in the study? Was it, you know, did, did you get out of your notes a little bit more? Was it, you know, what, you know, was there a reason that maybe right. it was, or it was just God just was tired of you moaning about it on Monday <laughs> that he thought I'll, I'll throw him a bone here. You know, what was it? You know, so you, you need that person that you can mourn with and, and deal with what those difficult things are, but also somebody that you can say, Hey, this was awesome. You know, like we had four baptisms today and, and you know, that one critic didn't show up and, you know, like those kinds of things. You right. need somebody like that. Uh, the other one is just for your regular rhythms. Uh, you need to take your day off. Uh, and, and I think even in a given day, uh, you need a time to carved out in your schedule or, or whatever it might be of just stopping yeah. where you're not doing the sermon prep. You're not meeting with somebody. You're not answering the phone, but this is just almost your own little personal Sabbath for 15, 30 minutes just to pause and reflect and, and just spend time with God. Yeah. Uh, I think that helps your vacations help. Um, having a date night with your, your spouse. Uh, I talk a lot about putting that on your calendar mm-hmm. uh, and carving that out. So that when Brandon says, Hey man, let's go get a cup of coffee or whatever. Let's go golf. Sorry. I've already got a, you know, a meeting that day. Yeah. And uh, where it's already there, you know, it's going to be there. You're looking forward to it. Um, and so, so those are a few things yeah. having your, you know, people that are kind of with you in the same type of a trench with you, somebody that's kind of ahead of you in ministry, that's been doing it a little longer, somebody kind of behind you that hasn't been, so y'all can kind of help one another. Yeah. Uh, taking your vacation time, having some time in your each day where you're just kind of hitting the pause button, uh, taking your uh, your families on on the vacation time that your church gives you, learning how to say no. I think there's a lot of yeah. simple things that we tend to overcomplicate. One thing um, that I would add to that too is uh, that I mention a lot is go exercise, Pastor. Uh, find mm-hmm. some time in your in your schedule to incorporate some type of exercise where that's working out. Uh, Matt, I know you run. Do, getting out of some type of rhythm, uh, it's amazing, man. Uh, it's something I've done recently is is making sure that I'm hitting the gym regularly. And that's just a, it, it sounds weird, but it's a very peaceful time to do yeah. that. It allows just to release a lot of the, the tension and just to process thoughts. It has been tremendously helpful. And so I would encourage pastors to do that as well. So uh, what resources uh, would you recommend for pastors listening um, uh, who are pastoring in a situation, in a declining situation? Uh, what, what, what are some maybe books or, or, or websites or journals or something that you would say are, are, would be really helpful for them? Obviously, all of the ones I did. No, I won't even mention them. <laughs> one, one that I, I put at the top of every list that I ever recommend uh, was written by my mentor, and probably the only reason, not the book, but him, uh, the only reason I'm still alive today in a very difficult season uh, where, where he kind of walked me through that uh, was Dick Sisk in Beyond the Plateau and it's hope and help for the small and medium sized church. Um, it's old, uh, but it's also evergreen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the principles and, and really practical steps that he has in there, but Dick Sisk, Beyond the Plateau. And then uh, Acoma Press, uh, Acoma Press out of uh, Colorado, uh, Mark Halleck uh, is just churning out resources. Um, they're a replanting machine in, in Colorado doing amazing stuff. And, uh, and I couldn't even begin to list their whole catalog, but if something is coming out from Acoma Press uh, with Mark Halleck, um, leading in church revitalization, I think is his most recent one. Uh, there's, you know, the shepherd pastor, a bunch of different ones that he has coming out. All of those I found are very, very accessible, uh, very encouraging. Uh, they're, they're often always written to, to build you up instead of just tearing down of how terrible a job you're doing, that kind of deal. It's always kind of light and helpful and just saturated with mm-hmm. scripture. All of the ones that, that I've seen from them. And, uh, and so those would be one, one place to get would be a coma press, just, just mm. about anything that they have coming out. 
and be on the plateau, I would put at the top of any list. That's good. You may not recommend yours, but I'm going to recommend yours. Definitely check out Matt's books. I mentioned a couple of them today. You've written on a lot of the stuff that we've talked about today, and you've even written for for Lifeway and a number of other, including our blog. Uh, So definitely check that out as well for, for encouragement. So any final words of encouragement for pastors? We've talked a lot about, we've talked about a lot of things, but let's just talk to pastors right now that might be in this situation. What final words of encouragement do you have for them? Again, going back to the whole, we overcomplicate things. Um, I would, and I'm not talking about the three of us, I, uh, people in general, we overcomplicate things. Uh, we overcomplicate things too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say just three words. God loves you. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> Right now, maybe you're, it doesn't seem like your wife does or your teen or, or this church member, that church member, whatever, but, but God loves you. He sees you. He knows you. Uh, and, and he's in this, uh, with you. And, uh, and so my, my encouragement to you is don't forget that. Um, it's easy to kind of look at the different critics that we have and, and start dwelling on the criticism and, and stuff like that. But, but remember, your identity is not in blank Baptist church wherever. Your identity is not if your church is growing or declining. Your identity is not in that last sermon that you preached that was a home run or an egg. Like, it, it's none of those things. Your identity is in Christ. Mm. And, uh, and, and God loves you and uh, loves you so much that he sent Jesus for you and has called you into this glorious ministry that at times makes you want to rip your hair out, <laughs> but he's in it and, uh, and he's for you. And, uh, and so that would be my word of encouragement to mm. any pastor, anyone uh, that, that is struggling right now is that God loves you. That's a good word. Man, that's good. Well, that'll do it for today's conversation. Matt, brother, thank you again for your willingness to join uh, today's discussion and for all the work that you do for pastors and church leaders serving on the front lines of ministry. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found today's episode helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd appreciate any feedback you'd be willing to give us. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation. As always, brothers, be steadfast and movable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.